This week on the Boag World Show, we look at the UX challenges surrounding security, artificial intelligence, and data visualization. This episode of the Boag World Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN, DocSketch, and Easy Data Transform. Hello and welcome to the Boag World Show, the show about all aspects of user experience design, digital strategy and working with digital this season. We are doing virtual meetups where we, we come together and it's pretty much an unknown as to what we're going to cover in the show because it will depend on people in the chat room willing to jump on the mic and, and say hello. We've got some questions and other things as a backup. But most importantly, we have Marcus Lillington joining us. Hello, Marcus. Cheers, Paul. Yes. Eve- to it- evening. Drinking beer. Lovely. To, to recording a show in the evening when you can afford mm. to drink alcohol. Exactly. We so need to do that more often. <laughs> yes, so what's quite. been, what's been oh, going yeah, on? Oh, Yoko's yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we might, perhaps we could persuade her to come on the mic because mm, she's a regular know. in the chat room. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, seriously, guys, we need some of you to step up and get on the mic. You don't need to have anything to say. It, it, just to say hello and introduce yourself. Excellent. Andrew would be up for it, so we'll get him on in a minute. But first of all, Marcus, what's been going on in your exciting life this week? Well, I, I said <laughs> I, the, the, what I put in the show notes was I've been working on a landing page. And I thought, um, well, that's really dull. Um, which is true, I have been doing that, but um, after our little chat this morning, Paul's been helping us out, dear listener, um, with um, a bit of a marketing push at Headscape for our, basically to do with the the work we do in law. Mm. And Paul suggested that we write a blog post uh, Mm -hmm. to support uh, the survey that we're going to be putting out, which I've been working on today. Uh, And it's a a sort of pet subject of mine that I've been finally put into some words. Can't talk Ooh. now. I shouldn't. I shouldn't drink beer really, and and try and talk on a podcast. But anyway, so that's. And I thought, well, what what things have come up over the many law projects that we've worked on yeah. over the years? And <clears throat> one of the things that often happens within a, a law based project is, well, to give you a bit of background, the, the main reason why a law firm has has a website is to display the people within the firm and to show their bios and to show their expertise and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so basically long lists of people yeah and um one of my sort of little bugbears over these and this is quite similar to my bugbear about icons i i, I i've always been a kind of fan of well, why don't you just use words why do you mm-hmm. have to use an icon got these perfect you know these, these kind of sets of, of of little sort of shapes called letters that if you put them together they, they <laughs> that uh, have meaning associated <laughs> yeah, with the, them. yeah exactly the, you know, people can read them and they know exactly what it is so similarly i've always been a fan of listing things alphabetically and i think that and I think that people like things listed alphabetically. Well, so, well those people who have a, a Latin, Latin-based the, alphabet. Yeah, maybe. there. It yeah, depends okay. on what you're listing, Marcus. Or, yeah, fair, yeah, I've been trying to think today of examples where that's not the case. Countries. Yes. If you that, primarily sell to the United Kingdom or to America, 
then having United Kingdom's especially bad because you don't know whether you're going to be United Kingdom, Great Britain or England. And you However, spend your whole life scrolling through a frigging long list. But if you wanted to find if you wanted to find a particular country in a country in a list of all the countries, Norway, for example, if they hmm. weren't listed alphabetically, it would be a nightmare trying to find Norway. Yes. OK. For example. OK. Yes. Um, oh, so, I like Andrew. I'm going to. Sorry, I'm just now going to disagree yeah, with fine, everything you whatever. say. Andrew says you should list by last used. I like that. Oh, it depends. All right, yes, it depends. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going to going towards the fact that I'm talking about lists of people here. All right, mm-hmm. okay. Um, and the problem is, what about by department? <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah, you can, that's perfectly you, valid. You, you can certainly filter by things like department. Or position. What, what if you what don't ha- know the name of the person you're looking for? <laughs> then you can filter by the th- other, other criteria, Paul. That's by salary. Uh, Andrew says you should filter by salary. I'm not talking <laughs> anymore. I'm going to just drink beer. No, <laughs> no sorry, Marcus. Sorry. No. Carry on. <laughs> no, I, there, is a point, there is a point to this. Okay, yes. Because the point is, and it relates to the the law firm thing, there are probably other lists of people where the same thing applies. But let's say you've got a thousand people working in a fir- in a firm. Right? Yes. So that's a lot, big long mm-hmm. list of people. And if you click on their people link in 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 the navigation of a uh, of the of this particular firm's website, you've got to ask yourself, well, what what would you expect to see when you first click on that link? And I would argue that the first thing you would expect to see would be the startings of a list of people. You can then filter by things like department and salary and position and all those kind of things. So how would you list those people, I would argue, alphabetically? So mm-hmm. you start off with Jane Abbott, Michael Adams, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. The problem is, with law firms, is it might be that all of that, those first half a dozen people out of the thousand are all super junior associates and they're not mm. the big stars of the firm. Mm-hmm. So we then get told, uh, well, no, we can't have it like that. Mm. We've got to, we've got to be showing you know, we, we can't be showing these nobodies on our on our sort of you know as a first impression of a list of people. Mm. So the 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 post I'm writing uh, basically it shows the different things that we've done, and and it's different every time because it's a, it's an issue. Well, what do we do about this? And sometimes mm. you just don't show anything, but you can and you can sort of say, well, okay, that's fair enough. Somebody's got to, but. but the user then has to take an action to see anything. Mm. So you're not kind of helping them in. If you show a list of people, then you've got, you've given them a prompt as to what they're going to get when they start filtering. But if it's nothing, then there's no prompt. Yeah. So it's not helping them. Nothing, nothing is not good. I, exactly. I agree with that. Uh, and another one is, well, or we can show the stars then. Or mm. another example we've done is kind of that it, it shows all the, the kind of search tools, your A to Z and your search and all that kind of thing. And then underneath it's got sort of the leadership team. Mm. But which kind of, it, that gives you the prompt of what it's going to look like when you filter on list. But it, I would argue that it's also slightly confusing because it's kind of, the list isn't alphabetical. It's just a kind of, you know, it's just showing a few people. Mm. Um, and then I've looked at another example, the most recent one we've done, where they do start with a list of kind of, you know, just all the A's and then the B's and C's and, and so on. And I think that it doesn't matter. You can show that. It, it, no one is going to arrive at that page thinking, 
wow, this is a really kind of low-end firm because they've got kind of just their associates showing. The point is, if you've designed it well, people don't think anything. Then mm. going back to don't make me think, that Steve Krug thing, if you're showing them a list, an alphabetical list, because alpha, alpha, alphabetizing stuff has been drummed into us since we were small people, then you're just you're giving people a natural search and they don't have to think about it at all and they will just instantly see a list of people and they'll think right that's not what i want i'm going to click on d because the person i'm looking for their name starts with d or i want to see all the partners so they'll filter on that mm. the point is you i i don't think you need to worry about it is the kind of thrust of the article i'm not convinced i agree with you i normally mm-hmm. agree with you over stuff marcus but on this particular one mm-hmm I'm not sure I do. I mean, I've got no more evidence to support my, <laughs> my my approach because, I mean, you've worked in a lot more law firms than me. I think maybe you're making an assumption. Maybe you're make, making the assumption that as people go in, <clears throat> they're going in because they want to find someone specific. Mm-hmm. And in which case, I agree with you. If that is the use case, if they want to find roberta or whatever Mm. then going in and having an alphabetical list makes perfect sense but i suspect there are a significant number of people that are just going in to see the kind of people and the caliber of people that they have in an organization in which case the the assumption that showing the junior clerk as number one is a problem on that use case you do want to show the big flyers so i i actually think you've got almost two different use cases there which need two different solutions so when you first go through to a you know our team or whatever i think it's perfectly valid to show the top people um, and then you have the option, if you wish to, to then see a list where you can find a particular person or search on a particular person or filter by department or whatever else. It's an interesting one. My, I, I think you do need to do that, but I think the homepage is the place to show the stars and not mm. on the, the kind of people search area yeah. of the site. If, for, for a law firm, you're probably mm. right because it is so much about their superstars, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, it depends. Even that, that, that depends. Some, some firms we've worked with are kind of, they're more about volume and we can deal with your problem because right. there's so many of us rather than we've got a, a handful of stars. It yeah. depends. It does but it's more. It's like anything, it, it? It's kind of, it's just this, this idea of don't hide it, I think, is, is the one that really bothers me. It's like, oh, well, we can't think of a, an answer, so we'll just show nothing. Yeah, no, that is, no, that's just insanity. And, You'll see lots and lots of law firms do that because they, yeah. because, they because of this issue. Because so it's, it's politically easier to do that than it is correct. to make a decision. Yeah. Much. Which Much is, case, yes. it's ridiculous, isn't it, really? So anyway, oh, that's, that's what I've been working on. One. Well, I've been, I've got quite an interesting one as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, something I've never done before. Right. I've got someone I'm mentoring at the moment who works for a logistics company. So let's say, for example, you order something from ASOS or, I don't know, Next or, you know, a, a retailer. Yep. And you order online and it comes through to you. Well, what I didn't realize is very few of these companies actually dispatch the goods themselves. They have a logistics company that does that kind of stuff for them. So, so they pack all the items and they send them out and they deal also with all the returns that come through. 
So I've got someone I'm working with at the moment who is trying to improve the productivity of items being returned, right? Okay, that's a big deal, I would have thought. It, yeah, it makes a massive <clears throat> difference. Thumb. If you can shave off even a second from mm. from each you know, return, it, it makes mm. millions in a year. Mm. And it is such a fascinating project to work on because what makes it a really good one is you've got this combination of obviously what goes on on the screen and the desk itself that they're working at. You know, and, mm. you know, for example, they'll get some returns that will be too big to fit on the desk properly. Um, and they're kind of leaning around items to scan the barcodes that they've got stuck to the front of the monitor and, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and, and we were getting really excited about the idea of using touch screens. And then we started to think, yeah, but is that going to be awkward? You know, is that going to cause repetitive strain injury if all day, every day, you're standing up and leaning over and touching a screen that is a vertical screen? Mm. So it's been absolutely fascinating because I've never done um, usability stuff that's got a, an ergonomic component, a physical component to it as well. Um, so it's a really interesting project. I, I'm absolutely loving it. And I've got all this GoPro footage where they stuck a GoPro above people's desks, yeah. right, in order to record what they're doing. Um, but also they break these videos down frame by frame, okay? So, so they'll record, say, an hour of someone doing the job, and they'll go through and say, well, how, how long is it taking them to print the label? or to stick the label on, or to move the package from the table across onto the conveyor belt, or to, you know, and they are, oh, it's just, it's this whole nother world that, that is utterly new to me, and it's so exciting to be involved in. I'm loving every minute of it. So, yeah, it's been a good time. Good project, Excellent. that one. I know, right? Something different. After doing this for 23 years, it's, it's unusual, isn't it, to kind of get something that's totally different come out of the woodwork. So yeah, there you I, go. I, I, yeah, sort of health and safety related aspects of things like that. I, I would be scared to go anywhere near. Yeah. If I'm well, honest. I mean, to be honest, yeah, exactly. I don't have to deal with those elements of it, you know? Yeah. Um, all I'm looking at is, I mean, most of it is still the user interface elements because interest is like all of these internal tools, isn't it? Whether you're talking about an intranet, whether you're talking about a system like that, whatever it is, that no, no designer has ever looked at it, you know? No. It's all been done, um, you know, with developers just kind of putting together what works. No, no disrespect to developers. It's not their job, is it? Yeah. Um, so, and of course, then getting the IT department to change this bit of software is, you know, a major nightmare. So at the moment, we're looking at potentially installing a, uh, an extension for Chrome, which the application runs in, um, on every single device and essentially overriding the CSS and JavaScript on the application rather than getting the IT department to, <laughs> to redesign their app, okay. which is going to override yeah. it. It's a real budget solution, but it kind of works. Yeah. So I love projects like that. It's, it's made my day. Anyway, Excellent. talk. 
talking of really weird scenarios, mm-hmm. um, uh, I do want to do our first sponsor. There is a link there, which is it's balsamic, and they're, they're weird. Oh, yeah, we're going to sponsor the show, but we don't want to be the sponsor. We want to get other people um, on the show, and we want to promote what they're doing. Fair enough. Cool. Sounds, sounds interesting is, and cool to me. And actually, thing. it's quite interesting because it's floated a few apps that I would tot- was totally unaware of, didn't know existed, and they're actually really quite good ones. So, for example, the first one that ba- uh, Balsamic have asked us to promote for them um, is an app called Easy Data Transform, right? So we have, like, this huge amount yeah, as digital professionals, we have huge amounts of data, don't we? It's spread across Excel sp- uh, spreadsheets and in all these different apps. And, you know, it just it, it's all over the place. And, and, and getting it from one system to another and one format f- to another is just this endless nightmare of pain and misery, isn't it? Um, and and this is where you need people like Chris Scott, who, who have got an unnatural affinity with data. Data wranglers. Data whisperers. Yes. It's like He's horse a, whisperer. He is, he is a data whisperer. Yeah. That's going to stick. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but fortunately, we don't need him anymore, which is wonderful. He can now retire. You can let him know that. <clears throat> okay. Um, I won't. But yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He's been replaced by Easy Data Transform. So basically, you can take your Excel file or your uh, CSV file and you can there's like a WYSIWYG environment. So the kind of thing that I understand where you can go through and, and kind of reformat the data and repurpose it without any programming whatsoever. So you can build up really quite complex data transformation step by step using kind of, I think they've got something like 36 simple built-in transformations you can do. And it runs locally on your Mac or PC. So the data never leaves your computer which is obviously these days a really important thing. Mm. Um, and and one-time fee, no subscription model. I just want mm. to kiss them on that basis as a loan. Everything has to be a subscription model. So if that sounds like it might be interesting to you, check out easydatatransform.com. Easydatatransform.com. Thank you for balsamic um recommending those guys and pointing us in the direction of them sounds very awesome and i want them involved uh it's good that they're involved should i say i don't want them because they're already here <laughs> anyway we have had our first volunteer to come and join us on the show uh today which is the very brave andrew davis um i'm just sending him an invite at the moment so, Andrew, keep an eye out. There should be a pop-up invite that you can select and get you on. Um, we're going to want someone else on the show at some point as well. So if you've arrived a little bit later and you're up for coming on and having a little chat with us, just say so in the chat and we'll get you on. Hey, it's Mr. Andrew Davis. How are you, sir? Evening, gents. <laughs> Hello, hey. Andrew. Hey. He's just mine. waved. The He's just waved. <laughs> He's just waved a bottle of beer at the screen uh-huh. for those of you that are listening to the podcast. So, Andrew, nice to nice to speak to you. I feel like have we met? We haven't met, Paul. Oh, um, I've been you... following the podcast for years, but I haven't met you. Yeah, See now, now, I, it doesn't matter what I say, right? <laughs> if I say to people, "We've not met, have we?" They go, "Oh yeah, several times." <laughs> and then you, who for some reason I'm looking at and going, "I've met this guy," I haven't. So, no, I think you've spoken on LinkedIn a few times, but that's it. Uh, 
perhaps I just recognise your avatar. It might be just that. Possibly. So, Andrew, what you? I'm going to guess what you do. Right? <laughs> I'm going to guess purely on the basis of your appearance. Although you have been in the in the Slack channel, but I can't remember what it is that you do. So let's see if I'm right. I'm going to go. You're a server side developer. You are wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, that's two out. Of, that's two out of ten. <laughs> should we say? I am. I am doing very badly. Right. All right then, Marcus. You've got a guess now. Um, UX designer. Close. UX designer. Okay. Go on then, Andrew. What do you do? Product designer. Um, it's one of those weird scenarios where you've done user interface design, um, user interface design, data visualization, and I've done some development as well. So I've ended okay. up as product designer. Catch all. Don't, don't these days? Don't they call you a, a, a wow. unicorn or something because you can do lots of different things? Possibly. I think that's a new heard, trendy phrase. I heard omnicorn today. Omnicorn. <laughs> That's awesome. That's it, Marcus. From now on, you have to refer to me as your uh, your Omnicorn. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not a unicorn. Okay, I've just had lots of experience. <laughs> just that it comes from getting old. I think the older yeah, you get, yeah, exactly. So, 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 where do you work? Work then, where terms like Omnicorn are thrown around? <laughs> uh, omnicorn was not thrown around here. Ah, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I work for a data analytics company uh, who are owned by McKinsey. Okay, Ooh, so grown up, proper stuff then. Yeah, proper grown up. Please tell me you don't have to wear a suit or anything like that. I'm at work. <laughs> hey! He's wearing a red hoodie. If uh, And I've got to say, looks like he's been dragged through a hedge backwards. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, so do you. You're, you're, yeah, I know. I always do. So as a product owner, what do you no, do? What's your, designer. Product, sorry, product designer. What does your normal day consist of? It varies, and it's a great variation. Um, some of it's interviewing users, which we're lucky because we have users. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's conducting research, but most of it is my kind of forte, which is UI design. So taking all of the insights that we've got from the UX designers and the users and turning that into some kind of UI. Okay. And how long have you been doing that kind of role for? here i've been doing it for about four years right but you've been elsewhere beforehand have you always worked on the on the kind of client side or have you worked on the agency side as well i've done client agency consultancy contract and freelance <laughs> uh, sorry and permanent okay <laughs> full monty yeah so as somebody that has done the full monty which do you enjoy the most that depends on what the actual day-to-day job is. Um, okay. I did e-commerce for a long time, and I got totally sick of designing pe- sorry designing things for people that didn't need them. Um, I right. wanted to do yeah. something more useful in society. So what I'm doing right now kind of ticks all those boxes. Oh, okay. So in what way? So you're doing data analysis type stuff. Can you can you tell us more about it or is it all hush-hush? A lot of it is hush-hush. Um, okay. I can tell you the, project, uh, the product that I'm working on takes 
data hypothesis and features and kind of manages all of them. So what you were referring to earlier about data wrangling, all of that happens within a product that we've designed. And the output of that is to successful, hopefully successfully, um, match the metric to whatever the client needs using those hypotheses and functions. Ooh. That sounds that sounds far too complicated for the likes of me. It's too complicated for me. Right. It's not an easy, doesn't sound like an easy interface design job to keep, because I always think the data visualization is quite a tricky area to get right, isn't it? It is, and it takes a lot of testing. Um, One of the things that we've done is to make sure that what we're doing is not only useful for the people here that use it, but also for the clients. So you've got mm. a trade-off and you have to get both right, which is really hard. So I'm guessing that people in-house that use it are your power users that want all of this extra functionality while your clients maybe need things simpler. Is that a fair assessment? Correct. So one yeah. of the things that we've done is a data manager. So you've almost got like a Trello board. Mm. But obviously from a client's point of view, the... Um, beauty of that is lost, especially when you have something that goes off the screen with about like 10 to 15 columns. Yeah. So you have to design a data viz, which they get in one screen, which is also mm-hmm. downloadable for PowerPoint because McKinsey love a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. So, so essentially, have you done anything? Have you looked at areas like... Um, Oh, what's there's a fancy word, isn't there, for it? And it's gone out of my head. This idea of progressively showing more and more features over time, the more someone returns to the application. Is that uh, is is the application sophisticated enough to kind of evolve based on how much you use it? Or is it more of a kind of a static thing? It's all interact. It's fully interactive. Mm. Um, we are looking into ways of doing that. Um, mm. There's a certain amount of things that are timeline-based. So as a client and you're spending millions of pounds, you obviously want to see the benefit and the return on that money. Mm. Um, and over time, you can see how the data's changed, uh, whether or not things have gone through ingestion or dropped out. The same with hypotheses, because you may have a load of hypotheses to start with. The client may have a load of hypotheses. And you've got to kind of marry those up. So, hmm. yes, we're doing things like that, but it is hard and it's a case-by-case basis. And are you doing – so if you get a new client, someone using the application for the first time, is there – do they have training up front because it sounds like quite a heavy-duty enterprise thing? Or is it have you got some kind of onboarding process or is there a mixture of both? We have both. And fortunately, hmm. a magnificent product owner. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, the product owner goes through uh, with the clients. Obviously, the users of this stuff day-to-day are power users. They know it all. But the Mm. clients have no idea whatsoever. So it really takes someone to go through and instill all that information into them. Yeah, which is quite tricky, isn't it? Because um, 
you always get that that so training is something i think about a lot right you you do like a training course for people and then they move on to another company or another job or whatever else and so you're constantly you've got this constant cycle of retraining so increasingly i'm i'm exploring things like onboarding processes self-learning training you know documentation and how to make documentation better rather than relying all of the time on on you know just uh, one-off training courses ah oh it sounds like well so what's the big new thing what's the thing that you're looking at next that you want to kind of start working on i'm working on something at the moment which is clients tend to have projects and in the projects they have use cases and we need mm-hmm. a way to manage the amount of projects and the amount of use cases so we're building a project manager which will also be able to inherit some of the earlier learnings that we've done through the project, sorry, product. Um, So if you've done a, let's think of an example, an automotive project, there Mm -hmm. may be some hypotheses that we know are kind of 80% across all uh, automotive projects where you can almost say... um, do you want to use this stuff again? So mm. we're trying to build in some artificial intelligence and machine learning. Which Ooh. Is it's always ex- yeah, yeah. Always, always good to throw in simple stuff like machine learning. I mean, yeah. you know, go for those quick wins. But it's hey, also who owns good- the data. So some of the hypotheses and some of the uh, features that you may have built and the models that you've run will be specific to a certain customer. And obviously, we can't reuse that data. Uh, ooh, so you must yeah. have some very, very hey, clever been- people behind, behind you, uh, Andrew, <laughs> developing algorithms and that kind of thing. Everyone um, here think- has a PhD, pretty much. Right. <laughs> I don't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, you've got to make so it so that people can use it. That's the main correct. thing. Sorry, sorry Paul, yeah, go yeah. on. Sorry, one question that's just been asked in the chat room, which is uh, for people that are interested in like product design and proje- uh, product management and that kind of thing, are there any books that you've seen or read personally that have made a big difference to you? Um, oh, I've got it on my desk and I can't remember what it's called. Yes, I'll answer that in a minute when I can remember it. Okay. Well, why don't you, you go and check that out um, and then pop it in the chat room and uh, I'll, I'll mention it in a minute. But okay. for now, thank you very much for joining us, Andrew. It's great yeah, to much chat. Yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a good one. All right, then. Bye-bye. Thank you. So there you go. That's Andrew. Product design, data visualization stuff really just blows my mind. It's a, it's not a, um, not a easy area to work in because often you've got so much data that you're trying to communicate and it can just be somewhat overwhelming doing that. So yeah, excellent stuff. I'm, I'm reading a book about at the moment about dis, the, basically AI and the d- designing of algorithms so that they learn from the bottom up instead of top down and all this kind of stuff. And it's Ooh. it's very good actually. Um, That's very unlike you to read a book like that, Marcus, isn't it? Yeah, it's normally just fairy stories for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't being rude. Joke books, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I, wa- I honestly wasn't being rude. I'm just saying you don't read a lot of work related books normally. I suppose I'm not necessarily. This isn't really work related. It's just it's oh, okay. it's sort of sciency, I guess. I'm I'm interested in the kind of like the history of of where kind of machine learning 
came from and where it's likely ah, okay. to go. It's by a guy called Marcus Dusortoy. Dusortoy. He's kind of like the science laureate. And he, he wrote a great book all basically explaining all the major aspects of science. Like you know, ah. going back to... You know, five, going back to Newton and all, and bringing all all the kind of the the discoveries of of scientists over the last five hundred years and explaining it in ways that even I can understand. And this Ooh. book is similar, um, but related yeah, relating to AI and machine learning. It's brilliant. So the book that that Andrew was talking about was a book called Inspired: How to Create Tech Projects cons- uh, Customers Love by Marty. Um, can how would you say that, Kagan. Marcus Kagan? I'm having a moment, glass of wine in and all that. So, so yeah, check that out because it looks quite good. I need, a, I need a new book, so I need to definitely check that one out. Okay, I won't read Marcus's book. It's probably rubbish. I don't know. It's, it's just... not, I'm going to go and find it. I'm going to put my headphones down and just go and remind myself what it's called. Actually, no, it's on my phone. Yeah, okay, you go, go and do that. That's were. fine. Okay, were. all right. Well, I'll read our second sponsor, which is ExpressVPN. Um, so we all know that VPNs protect our, our privacy and our security, but they're also really good for watching um, TV and taking your games to the next level because VPNs can unlock movies and shows that aren't normally available in your country. So, um, for example, I've used it to watch Doctor Who when I'm abroad. I've used it when I'm in the UK to watch certain episodes of... Um, uh, various TV shows that, that I really want to see, but don't have access to the UK because we still live in this world where people release programs related on geographical region, which just seems nuts to me. Um, so anyway, v- ExpressVPN does this by hiding your IP address and let you control where a site thinks you're located. So you can choose from like a hundred companies um so that uh, countries even so that you can be located in whichever country you so wish which gives you access to streaming services like hulu bbc iplayer whatever else that are region specific um and unlike my current connection which isn't connected to expressvpn at this exact moment it's not laggy which is really good i don't know why i've been having lag problems recently um, but it's also compatible across all your devices, your phones, media consoles, uh, smart TVs, you name it. You can send it all through ExpressVPN. So if you visit my special link, which is expressvpn.com forward slash Boagworld, you can get um, an extra three months of ExpressVPN uh, for free. So you can support the show, watch whatever you want to watch, and protect your security by going to expressvpn.com forward slash Boagworld. So there we go. Thank you very much, Andrew, for joining us. Is there anybody else in the room at the moment that fancy jumping on a mic and telling us a little bit about what they do and where they work? Because we're always interested in talking to new people. In yeah. the meantime, while, while people are, uh, are putting that in the chat room, um, I thought it might be quite nice to share an app that I came across recently. Um, now, this was recommended by somebody in the Slack channel, and I'm not actually personally used it yet but it looks really really good if you're like a freelancer or a small agency or something like this um it's a it's an app where you can send proposals you can invoice people you can get paid you can track your time you can track your tasks so it's all of those kinds of products all bundled into one this sounds like another sponsor slot but it isn't it's just a really cool app that i love the look of and it's called um and.co 
So I thought I'd mention that because, um, it's, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I always like cool new apps and playing with new stuff. Have we not got anybody in the chat room that wants to come mm. on? Doesn't look it's like very it. disappointing. The book, I, my book is called The Creativity Code. Okay. Marcus Dusortai, and it's in, subtitled, if I can read that, How AI is Learning uh, to Write, Paint, and Think. Some of the yeah. stuff you see is absolutely fascinating with mm -hmm. uh, which AI can do. Have you seen the the um, uh, the the where they run across the where an AI has to work out how to get across an obstacle course and it kind of does it no. by itself? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a Google thing, right? And it actually um, will. It's given the impetus to get to the other side of this virtual landscape, and it has to learn to walk and do everything itself. It's just mind blowing. Ooh, but Rachel says she'll join us. Yes, Ooh. I know. I've just invited her on. Lovely. And here she comes. Yay. Hello, Rachel. I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what happens if you if you show a moment of weakness and offer to join us. So, Rachel is a, a long term regular member of the boag world slack channel rachel tell it i i know even though i speak to you probably every single day i know very little about what you do or where you work so tell us a little bit about what you what you get up to um well i'm technically titled as a senior ux engineer at the moment Ooh. um but um it's a very very uh, large playing field and yeah. I've not been with the company uh, very long. I joined last August, mm -hmm. and um, I've been doing lots of little bits rather than getting into anything too deep at the moment. So um, yeah. the two things that I've been focusing on mostly are I've been doing a lot of process uh, flow with a client, uh, looking at some wireframes, um, really just trying to understand. We've spent about six or seven weeks looking at a uh, registration process, which is really exciting. Um, <laughs> trying to understand the security implications because it's a very um, uh, high-risk client uh, for uh, sort of security attacks and, you know, anything that uh, people may want to break into um, versus ah, okay. usability and really trying to sort of balance those two aspects and the third aspects of sort of what's technically possible. So what can the developers actually do? Um, so the order of the wireframes, for example, on this one um, have changed from uh, having uh, an email login one side of the process to having it at the other right side of the process, to having security questions, um, to having two-factor authentication. And um, it's been really interesting, um, absolutely. Um, for every reason, there's a security um, reason to do something there's a, a counteraction that the user will find it difficult um, mm. and development wise so it's I feel a little bit like uh, trying to keep three sets of people happy um, and wireframing and sort of trying to get people to tell us if they like that process and you know, going back over that um, and then often flipping that on the head and doing some front end um, SCSS is uh, sort of where I'm at at the moment, uh, just to make things actually look how they're supposed to work. So we've got uh, uh, sort of Angular developers and back end um, working on the core of the function. So 
Mm-hmm. Once I've designed it, I'm asking them you know, uh, how how we go in and trying to get in and actually making it look how it's supposed to work. So, um, more UI than UX, mm-hmm. I think, really at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's it sounds fun. it sounds um, not that I want to put words in your mouth, but what, what could be quite a frustrating experience. Because I've been in situations like that before where there's been this kind of battle between security and usability. And, yeah. and I found it quite a frustrating experience. So I, I guess it's, it depends on your working relationships. It's Yeah, it's. I mean, everybody is frustrated for the same reasons. So okay. we're frustrated because we have a common goal that it needs to be really secure. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have a common goal that we also want people to be able to use it because yeah. we could have a really secure product that nobody wants <laughs> to use because it's really difficult. Um, so I, I, I believe the team that we've got talking to each other are, are, are brilliant because there's nobody sort of waving the security baton at the users saying, we nice. don't care about you. Um, so we do have everybody caring um, that we get the right outcome. But the frustration comes from I don't know that there is the perfect solution. No. I think mm-hmm. we've got to kind of trade off something. Um, yeah. And what what do you trade off? Usability or security? And I think we can probably say development wise, that's the last of the three things that needs to be satisfied in this area. Mm. Um, you know, technically, I think we'd have to find solutions rather than you know not make it secure or not make it usable mm. as anything's possible. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's my fun. And um, obviously, you know, that ties in with registration of the user uh, with um, usability of like forgetting your password and yeah, yeah. You know, losing your mobile phone if you've got two factor authentication and yeah. Um, so security and registration are, it's a it's an area that that is all about risk isn't it in terms of uh, business risk and 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 the management of that because it's like to what to what extent do you mitigate the the risk for the company and pass the hassle then on to the user and everything has an associated cost with it as well. So, so for example, you could make the the website, you know, the web application less secure, and and take the risk of potentially breaches and the financial implications of that. Or you could pour huge amounts of money into the technical development in order to enable something that is both secure and usable. Or you can take a hit in terms of usability, but that comes with its own costs as well. So it's this constant balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, you don't win. I don't, I don't no. feel like you can win. I, I feel like you just don't lose, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, I do. So I know what you mean. There's, there's never a time when you'd say, okay, let's make it really unusable but secure. I think it's mm. just a trade-off. Yeah, what nice. what I think is nice about your scenario is that everybody's on the same page about what you're yeah. trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I had a really interesting one where I work with a company that um, we were we basically I was working with them on digital transformation and we decided to set up an internal blog. 
right? So just for people inside of the company to educate them about digital transformation and what it was involving. So it was, it was and, and we decided we'll just throw this thing up in Squarespace because, you know, it's quick and it's simple and it's easy. Um, so we decided to do that. A couple of weeks later, after um, making the decision to do it, it still hadn't happened. And I couldn't understand why the client hadn't implemented this. Creating a Squarespace blog is like a job of five minutes. So I went back to the client and I was told that IT blocked it because of security concerns, right? That they felt that, you know, it potentially could be hacked because it was outside of their control. So I told this story at an internal conference to demonstrate how, you know, internal roadblocks can be a problem. And I came off the stage and this woman came beeline for me, looking really angry and very annoyed at me um, and said I was the one that blocked it from IT. And I said to her, well, why did you do that? And she said, well, for the reasons you said, ISIS could hack that site and and cover it with their propaganda. And I asked her what the likelihood of that happening was. Um, and she said a very telling thing, which is she said, well, admittedly, it's not very, uh, very likely, but I would be fired if it happened. Right. Mm. And and that's that can often be the problem that if if you know company priorities are not kind of agreed you know that you don't know you know that she's going to be assessed on security and another person's going to be assessed on usability and another person's going to be assessed on something else then it causes conflict but it sounds like you're not in that kind of position which is good yes i think potentially it may have to get passed further along the security chain still Mm. to get somebody to to green light it Um, (laughs) which could then cause problems if it comes back with problems. And I think that sort of highlights as well that it's sort of job when you're looking at usability doesn't just mean is the button green or red. You actually have to think, can I safely log a user into this site without potentially having their data compromised? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many scenarios that, you know, I wasn't even aware of that, security doesn't just mean it's a bot it can mean that somebody's maliciously um trying to to take you know somebody's account um Mm. due to the nature of um the application that we're building it's sort of people logging in to find out information and you know somebody might want to go in and find out information about someone else so Mm -hmm. you know i don't know a great deal of security stuff but you kind of have to figure out as you go along things that you wouldn't want to happen if you put something in the wrong place. So you wouldn't want to put an error message, for example, saying this email address is already in use um, so that, aha, I know that my friend's got an account now because I've just typed their yeah. email address in mm. and things like yeah. that. I'm not a security expert, but as a usability um, consideration, you need to kind of start learning all these things. If, if uh, absolutely. And that, that I really admire you for because I think you get a lot of – of usability designers or user experience designers that just bang the usability drum right all the time you're making it difficult for the user and they don't take the time to understand that broader context but a good user experience designer and this is the difference between a ui designer and a ux designer so Mm -hmm. although you're saying you're doing a lot of ui stuff and yes you are that's how it's 
is being delivered as UI, but actually it's UX thinking you're doing behind that because you're considering the other components. And, yeah. and that, I think, is amazingly valuable. Sounds a really yeah. interesting challenge, although it I'm is actually interesting. It's, yeah, yeah, it is fun, um, but often frustrating when you just think, how hard can it be just to log <laughs> someone into a website? <laughs> yeah nothing's ever straightforward is it (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) all right well thank you so much for coming on you said you had nothing to talk about but actually i think that was absolutely fascinating so thank you very much thank you talk to you soon rachel cheers so there you go that was rachel talking about the challenges of security and balancing that with the user interface design she didn't even know that she was doing something amazing, but she is. That's what I'm, I'm really enjoying about this season of the podcast, Marcus, is, you know, all these people that every single one of them says, well, I'll come oh, I've on got the mic. But to I've got... say, yeah. yeah. Like... And they've <laughs> all got really interesting and valuable stories and the kind of thing that we mm. all kind of struggle with. And I just, I love that. I love the fact that people constantly underestimate the value of what it is that they do um, and, and how how actually some of the challenges that they're facing uh, are, are all, not unique challenges, but are, are quite unusual and quite, um, you know, intense. I mean, that, that the kind of stuff that Rachel is dealing with is like, is that usability security thing taken to 10? You mm. know, I get frustrated when, I, you know, someone has to re-enter their email address in a form because of security, let alone that kind of thing. So it's brilliant. Let's do our our, uh, final sponsor for the day, which is another balsamic sponsor. Um, uh, And another really interesting product, actually. It's a a product called um, DocSketch, which uh, Balsamic want you to check out. Um, So DocSketch is is a really useful tool if like um me you you're a freelancer or you you've got pe- you've got to get people to sign documents and contracts and stuff like that and if you are running your own agency and not getting people to sign contracts then you should that's one of the the th- things i was being rude to chris earlier and saying that he was redundant but that was one of the things that he really put in place from the very beginning of headscape is that we need proper contractual arrangements with our clients and and that i think is is a trait that i've picked up from him and has been absolutely invaluable and then it's not even just contracts is it we've got to sign ndas and we've got to sign all kinds of bits and pieces so this is where doc mm-hmm. sketch comes in it's one of those electronic signature tools um, but what's really good about their tool is it's focused on on speeding up that turnaround of getting contracts, proposals, sales documents all signed. So every document signed in DocSketch receives um, an audit report that meets or exceeds both the US and international e-signature laws. So it's a legally binding document. And the reason we like them the most, and because there are other tools like this out there, but the reason that we're featuring these guys is because you can get three documents signed for free every month, which for most freelancers is probably enough. Tick, right? Done. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there are paid unlimited plans as well and unlimited to- documents and branding options and all the advanced preferences you'd expect. But if you are just a freelancer or even someone like me, well, I suppose I'm just a freelancer, really. I don't know why I'm describing myself like I'm something special. Um, then a service like this is just perfect. So DocSketch.com. You can check that out and give that a go. Okay. Marcus, do we have a joke? Yes, we do. 
Now, I think you need to be of an age to get this one. Okay, so in other words, I'm going to get it. Well, you, even you might not. I don't know. Anyway, right, so I write songs about sewing machines. I'm a singer-songwriter. Oh, no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank yeah. you, Don Livingston. That one. So um, I just before we wanted to go, I wanted to mention one other article, um, uh, which is... Um, uh, Anselm, uh, Anselm, An- oh, useless Anselm. names. Thank you. Um, uh, Gabe, which is he's pointed out, there's there's a good one about AI writing bots. Can a machine write a, write a good copy? Which should be quite interesting. I haven't read it yet. It's a it's a New Yorker article, and I'll put a link in the show notes because that that looks depressing. Because I, mm. I as I've just finished my <laughs> book. Oh, it failed miserably. Oh, good. I feel much better then. So, talk, spoiler. So, now I didn't need to talk about that that uh, article at all because the answer is it was rubbish. Right. But it can complete a sentence well. <laughs> well okay. but according well, to the, the book I was talking end. about earlier, mm. uh, they've been, uh, AI has been very successful at basically recreating paintings by in the style of great masters oh they do that with music as well don't they i was going to say onto music as well uh like creating um bark fugues and things like that um there was a a test at a music school i think in germany where basically they 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 would play uh it wasn't it wasn't a fugue it was a type of bark piece anyway that he wrote 400 of um and it's it's they they're they're pieces of music that you always study as a music student yeah um and and the basically the students were asked to they they would hear two pieces and they Mm -hmm. were asked to say whether it was by bark or by by the ai and the ai got 50 percent right um but they said that one in four of the bark pieces weren't bark as well so right (laughs) so it's um it it basically did extremely well yeah that is very well but what it, what it can't do yet is base, is just make up stuff that's its own, as it were. It yeah. It needs to have a kind of framework to work around. Yeah. So, so Marcus, what was the name of that book you said again? The Creativity Code. Creativity Code. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Mm. All right, another really interesting show. We've covered AI. We've covered dealing with data visualization. We've looked at security. Mm. My word, that sounded almost like a developer podcast. Whatever happened? <laughs> wasn't. We did it from a from a user interface element, so that makes it all right. But there you go. That's it for this week. If you fancy joining us on the show, we would absolutely love you. As you can tell, um, we yes. we really enjoy talking to people. And and look, you don't need to worry about whether you've got anything to say or not. That is our problem. We'll find interesting stuff because I guarantee you there will be something you do which we, the rest of us find interesting and we'd love to have you on the show. So to make sure you don't miss the next show when it's recorded live, go to subscribe.boagworld.com forward slash community. Sign up then and we'll get you on because I don't care who you are. You've got something interesting to say. But until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.
Bye. Bye.